0: Mindfulness Mode 89. If you want more of something, let's take a look at how you take care of and how you treat what you already have.
1: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for listening to Mindfulness Mode. As a thank you, I have some free easy meditations called Fine-Tune Your Focus 5-Step Challenge. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com/focus, enter your name and email, and I'll send you 5 videos with audio tracks for meditating, clearing your mind, and getting focused. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Bo Henderson on the line today. Hey, Bo, are you in mindfulness mode? I am in mindfulness mode. Let's do it, Bruce. All right, we will. (laughs) Bo Henderson is an author, radio personality, and passionate connector of people. His wisdom will become clear when you hear his show or read his books. Bo has a deep belief in gratitude, mindfulness, and living a life of purpose. Bo graduated with a psychology degree in 2001 and lives his life every day, meeting and helping other people as much as he possibly can. So, Bo, tell Mindful
0: Tribe, what does mindfulness mean to you? You know, Bruce, mindfulness to me, and in the role that I've played for the last 15 years as a, as a financial advisor where where I've seen mindfulness and what it's become, it's just the ability, I think to truly be present and, and why I say it that way, what I found out is, and, and I'm not perfect by any means. It's a, it's a weekly effort to, to get to that place, but it's so rare anymore to be truly present with people and totally aware that the, the, the difficulty there actually becomes the opportunity, and this is what I try to try to do with myself and teach my other advisors is that when we can show up like that, that's when you see some really powerful relationships. And guess what happens when we have powerful relationships? People naturally want to do business with us. So it works on a business level, and like you were saying earlier, not just the business level, but connecting with people for long-term goals and strategies to see those things come true for wishing for me that's the real rewarding part of the kind of work we do.
1: Oh that's fantastic. Bo, I noticed you've done so many things in your life and I know you studied psychology and graduated with a degree. Do you feel mindfulness was a part of
0: your life at that time? You know, I do. I feel I go all the way back to being a young child and and I think I didn't know what it was called. Uh, But I do think that there was there was an inherent part of me that I always wanted to understand how to how to help people. And I always wanted to understand ways to and and maybe maybe this is healthy or not, but sometimes it was ways to make people happy. But I think the bigger message there was was how to help people. So I think I was it it helped me be predisposition for when I was older and actually got some more context and did get into to more the psychology, the behavioral and the – I got – my background, Bruce, it's, it's that bizarre combination of I love two things, human behavior and finance. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I ended up my formal schooling with those two degrees, what, what happened is I was like, what in the world would I do with psychology and finance? And what I realized is it's exactly the tools I use in coaching financial planning clients. It's pretty funny. Yeah that is funny. That is funny because at
1: first glance you would think that they may be in opposition a little bit to each other right. but they're actually not at all, are they? Right. So tell us a story of when you were a child and you were helping other people or you were doing things to make someone
0: happy. Do you remember an instance? Well, you know, I was looking, I know a lot of the, a lot of the work you do you talk about um uh dig into bullying. Yes. And and some of the conversation around that. And it made me think, uh, knowing that that was that was some of the content of your show, was bullying. Now, I'm I'm a guy. I've always been like a foot taller than everybody else. Yeah. growing up and all, just a big guy. It, and I and I, but what I was was I was I would always, I remember on the playground, um, I kind of fought for the underdog. So so the so I was actually I would like stop the bullies from bullying the kids that couldn't defend themselves necessarily. Right. And, and that was – again, that was just part of my heart and my – it's kind of stayed true to my personality throughout my life. But what, what really kind of struck me and made me step back and think and thinking through that was I did that as a young kid. I mean, I can remember kindergarten, first grade. Uh, as an adult, I also recognized there were times maybe with positional um, workplace type of situations and other things where I saw people being bullied and for some reason as an adult i didn't step in and try to defend that person like i did as a so so maybe somewhere along the way for a while anyway i lost that part of me that wanted to to step up and say hey wait a minute this isn't right so yeah. i thought i found that fascinating Yeah, it is fascinating for sure when we think
1: back to some of those situations. And and I mean, it's a fine line because we have to be careful we don't beat ourselves up over things that we did or didn't do. But at the same time, we can learn from all of these experiences, of course. Well, tell us about mindfulness and money, Bo. I mean, that's what's fascinating me. I'd like to hear
0: how can we be more mindful about our money? Well, the sad the sad fact is is that most people are not successful with money. We're wired almost the exact opposite behaviorally to to do things that would have us be successful. Uh, typically, it's things like fear and greed, and we it causes us to do the exact opposite uh, of what we should do. But where I think mindfulness and money come together, Bruce. It's when we can take a step back away from those initial emotions and we can look a little bit bigger picture than the immediate need in front of us or the immediate uh, emotion or urgency. And we can look at things long term, like how how do the decisions I make today affect me 10, 20, 30 years from now? And and I can be mindful and I'm making good decisions because what I find when it comes to money Good decisions now are, are the thing that determine how things turn out in the long term. The hard part is is that as humans, I believe we're hardwired to think that the long term is never going to get here. We always have plenty of time. So there's, there's a bit of maturity and a bit of, of deeper or bigger thinking to realize that everything I do today is going to determine how things turn out for me down the road. Yeah,
1: and isn't that strange that we're hardwired that way, Bo? It seems so unusual, but I totally agree with you. So how do we overcome
0: that using mindfulness? Well, here, here's the thing. When even though we might be hardwired to to this idea of instant gratification, solve my need, do what I want now, I'll worry about it later, what I've found – and I've, I've worked with over 3,000 clients over the last 15 years now – Bruce and I found that that even though that might be how we respond when somebody actually steps back and they'll actually be honest. Here I mean that's a that sounds like a novel. I mean a obvious concept. Let's be honest, they'll be honest about where they really are. Yeah. Where am I right now? What's really coming in? What's really going out? And people will go their whole lives not wanting to really look at that and deal with that because they know it's not what they want it
1: to be it's hard to be honest sometimes it is, isn't it, it is. it's it really hard is. and we think about honesty as that sort of superficial thing where you know like oh yeah i'm telling the truth about where i was on saturday night or something <laughs> whereas being honest to ourselves or honest about what we are thinking is a whole different thing isn't it and facing the
0: truth about life yeah yeah honesty too too you can't you can you can be dishonest by omission by just not dealing with things Right. No, I, th- I think that's right. So that's that's really the first thing. If we can if we can have that honest conversation, especially when you get into families, if a couple can have an honest conversation, that's a whole another level of complexity in yes, a way. It is. Uh, but if we can do that, one, I see actually a sense of relief when people actually are clear and they know because because it's very you know we can't come up with a plan to get to where you want to go until we really know where we're starting. So the clarity on where we are, that honest, let's, I say you have to be real to live rich, meaning let's just, let's just, nobody's going to judge you. You're not going to impress me. Uh, There was a time in my life where I was several hundred thousand dollars negative. So you're not going to impress me with your debt. You're not going to, I mean, there's just, let's just be really honest. Let's be very, very real. And then let's get clear on, I think something that a lot of people don't do. They're living for the weekend or maybe they're living for, uh, just to kind of survive, and let's get really clear on where we want to go. And let's be aware of where, where it is we want to go. What what are the goals we want for our family, for our kids, for our legacy? And then if we have those two two things, then we can intelligently, intelligently start coming up with some action steps that fit into a strategy that at least you know you're moving in a direction that's, that's in line with your priorities and what's
1: important to you yeah and that in itself can make you feel a lot more happy a lot more relaxed and you can be mindful about it right about reaching and going for that goal because you feel good about it you've got those steps in place that's
0: right you know and most people this this is a comment i get over and over again is that it feels so good to just have a plan because i've never really had a plan <laughs> yes. before i was just kind of I, I call it the ostrich with your head in the sand technique i was just kind of not really dealing with it, hoping it turns out okay. And I tell people, well, that's, that's actually a financial plan in itself. It's just not a really good one.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I know. And there are a lot of people with that plan, that's for sure. So I love what you say in your book about the big secret to all this, the quickest way to attract more of
0: something in your life. It's not what you would think it would be, is it? You know, it, it's funny. I think again, I talk in terms of of as a society. I think we we want bigger and better, and, and we're marketed. That if I just had this car or hung out at these places, the world would love me and life would be great. And and there's a lot of that. I just want the the better thing, the bigger thing. And the th- the conversation you're talking about is I always start a lot of our money conversations around a bigger concept of stewardship. Yes. And, and stewardship, a lot of people have heard about it in context of money, but I talk about it, it's your relationships, it's your time, it's your health. It's if, if you want more of something, and in this context we're talking about money or financial success, if you want more of something, let's take a look at how you take care of and how you treat what you already have. Right. And it, it almost goes back to a gratitude conversation. It does. Right, so so the thing we're thankful for, we're actually creating more room to have more of that in our life. So say, say our goal is, is to pay off uh, $10,000 of credit card debt. When we pay off that first thousand, instead of griping and complaining, let's be thankful that we were able to get rid of a little bit of debt and see if we can't create some room to get rid of some more.
1: Absolutely. I just think the more grateful you can be in your life, the happier you will be, the
0: better off you'll be. It, it just makes, makes life so much better. You know, I heard somebody, I can't remember where this came from, but I remember somebody told me, they said, if you, if you're thinking about actually helping your kid purchase a car when they turn age to be able to drive, he said, I think one of the biggest indicators is to go back and look at how do they take care of their bicycle? Ah, uh, yes. I, I thought that was pretty good. That is excellent. It really is. So
1: we've put these steps in place. We've got a plan. We believe in being grateful. What's
0: next, Bo? Then here's the thing we, we throw, we kind of mix it all up and say, don't be too attached to the plan ah. because a plan that's too rigid is a plan that's going to fail. And what I mean by that, we're dealing with two things. We're dealing with humans and we're dealing with life. And when those two things are in the equation, it's not going to work out like we put it on our spreadsheet or our plan. No, never. Yeah. Every plan, the best we can do is clarity of where we are right now, moving towards the direction we want to move with, but also know... And this is tough for a perfectionist, Bruce, I'm telling you. Yeah. Also know that, that um, there's flexibility built in so that you can adjust when life happens. So you're not, you're not stuck that I made a decision and, and, I'm, and I'm stuck in this the rest of my life and if I bet wrong, then I've just screwed myself up. we got to have flexibility in our plan. We've got to have a little bit uh, – we can't be
1: too rigid. So I'm just wondering how many of us are like I feel sometimes and I have felt sometimes in the past where, you know, my mind is just buzzing. I'm thinking about all my plans. I'm getting everything and, and I just get so carried away with all my thoughts and I, I end up not really doing the plan because my mind is going crazy. I meditate now and that really helps me to not have that. Do
0: you meditate in your life, Bo? You know, Bruce, with everything I have going on—from from the the advisors to the to the clients and the the radio show and and writing—I have to meditate. Uh, so, yeah, I do. I I try my my routine is to med- meditate anywhere from ten to thirty minutes before I even start my day. Uh,
1: feels so good, doesn't it? It just helps you feel a lot more calm about facing whatever's coming up.
0: Well, what it does for me is it helps me to take a few minutes to start the day. If I just jump out of bed and go start into my day, it's that day is completely focused on me. Ah. And when, when I can step back and when I can take that space to, to just breathe and be quiet and and be still, it it helps me to start the day more in, in the servants type of heart that I really know that I want to bring to the world. I know that I'm really the happiest when I show up that way. And, I've learned I get the best response when I show up that way. So that's just a little almost like kind of putting on your armor for the day. That's what meditation does for me. And and, I, and I'm very flexible in the variety of ways. I'll do some guided meditations at some point. Sometimes it's just 10 minutes of breathing. Uh, and I just I'm, I'm kind of flexible with that, too. Right. And so I think
1: you're a family man. So that's not always easy to keep things exactly the same every day. Isn't that right?
0: That's right. That's where the flexibility comes in. There's been times I've meditated uh, in the parking lot at the gym in the dark before the gym opens. <laughs> and I had to, get, <laughs> had to get out of the house, and uh, yeah. I was, I'm sure people thought I uh, – I was something was wrong with me sitting there sleeping in my car, but uh.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so let's get back to this whole thing with the money. Uh, mindful tribe, maybe you're listening today and you're thinking, Well, yeah, but I'm so in debt or I feel so overwhelmed, and yeah, I can get a plan in place, but it's going to take me forever. How do we counter those kinds of thoughts using mindfulness, Bo? Well,
0: I, I think the mindfulness concept. That I think if I could bring to it is, is if we could be mindful of this saying, this will help us. One, when we have a plan in place, okay, we get that far. We acknowledge, I know a plan's better than the ostrich with your head in the sand technique, okay. If we can be mindful of this, this journey, it's like anything else we're trying to accomplish in life. It's about progress, not perfection. Right, progress, not perfection. And the value of somebody, a coach, a financial coach, or a financial advisor. Um, that, that interacts with clients in the role that, that I do uh, is let's just let we touch base periodically and we look for progress because where people it's just like weight loss where people will mess up and say they wanted to have ten thousand dollars of debt paid off in six months right we, we get to six months and they only paid off four thousand yeah. they feel like they failed they blow up and they probably go put some more money on on credit because they feel like they failed as opposed to you know what Let's really step back. You actually are four thousand dollars in a better position than you were. Let's reset our goals and let's go again. So let's count our blessings, basically. Yeah, yeah. Let's be thankful we made the progress we did, and let's reset and let's do better this next time. So, sure. so, so it's it's that um, being mindful that it's a it's the journey of financial health is is truly a lifelong journey. Yeah, it really is, and it's about progress. So, so once the debt's gone, it, it doesn't stop. Now our progress is. Now, in the next six months, I'd like $6,000 saved in the bank. If I get there and there's only 3000 that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or if I get there and there's $10,000, i am going to celebrate it. Right. But it's an ongoing journey, and it's about progress. And if the progress is better than I thought or worse, what do I learn about that moving forward? And eventually, you're going to be pretty dang smart about this stuff.
1: Well, we certainly learned from our experiences, and you mentioned earlier that you had been significantly in debt in the past. Do you have a story you can share with us about that and how it felt and what you did to get out of that debt
0: oh yeah, absolutely and that that's part of the story of why I do what I do and my passion for helping people i uh in my in my early twenties I came out of school and i and I'd done a couple of things, and I'd been pretty successful at the at the couple of jobs I had at that point and someone approached me about um, a, a real estate investment and we we're going to invest in developing a subdivision and this, this 20-something-year-old kid thinking he was going to uh, – well, it, here was the lesson I learned is that, one, you've you got to stay inside your areas of competency
1: Yes,
0: and and I called it the, the, the Icarus uh, problem that I had there. I just – I got a little too confident in my abilities, uh, thinking that success in one or two areas meant I could I could be successful in, in anything I did at that point without necessarily the experience and skill set. Long story short, this was this was just before this was a couple, this all started a couple years before um the the real estate correction, real estate meltdown, let's uh-huh. say. Yeah. And we had me and a quote unquote partner that I didn't know well enough. That was another lesson I learned too
1: mm-hmm.
0: were um Knee deep into a forty house subdivision development, okay, and this partner skipped town. Nobody could find could find him, and all of a sudden, my my name was still on these uh, these mortgages. Oh. So, so here I was, mid twenties at that point, um, several hundred thousand dollars of real estate debt, and just it, I, I got Bruce. I got to a place to where. It, it was a situation to where if you'd asked me before it had happened, I wouldn't have th- thought it was something that, that, that you could survive or that you could deal with emotionally. But the the piece I found in that when things got really, really tough, I did realize that when you have a couple of people, the right people that, that are your support team and support, whether it's family, friends, real close friends, that you probably can just rally through just about anything. And sometimes it takes getting to that point to realize You're probably going to be okay when you're going through some hard stuff. Long story short, it took me another five years, six years to dig out from that situation. But what it did do, it gave me an empathy and a compassion for people and understanding risk and being a better financial advisor because before that happened, all I'd ever experienced was the upside of things. Right. And this gave me a true um, uh, understanding of how how risk at the wrong time could just um, truly wipe somebody out. And I, I was fortunate that, that I was able to turn that around as quick as we did. But uh, that that was the story. But I do – I remember there were, there were periods of time where I, I was just overwhelmed. I didn't feel like there was a way out. I felt like I might have to completely change my, my plans and my, my career because I just had to do something to start digging out of this. So it's a pretty pretty bad place. But right. But when I go back, when I look back on it, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it prepared me to be a much better – version of the rich life guy or what I am today.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect
0: sense. Bo,
1: I'm very interested in your career as an author. I know you've authored several books. It does take a certain challenge to to keep moving and keep writing and and be an author. And I know a lot have said to me that they, they've used different kinds of techniques. What kind of techniques do you do to
0: make sure that that book gets written? Well, the first book, the, the 10 Investments for True Wealth, that book was an attempt when somebody would ask me what this I've been, I've been sharing the rich life message now since 2008 Mm -hmm. and somebody would ask me what that was about. And and depending on the context and who I was talking to, it was always a little different. What what does that mean? Uh, You know, let, let's stop sleepwalking through life and let's line up your ass, your assets and resources. Let's, let's get your money right and, and move it towards living your definition of a healthy, wealthy, fulfilled life on purpose. You know, that, that's the soundbite version but each of those things are a chapter. I mean, they needed some explanation. So that first book, um, it was it was the the old school hard style. It took me a year and a half for me to get out what was on my head mm-hmm. into into a book and and really explain more the philosophy of of what I believed and what I shared and what seemed to resonate with the right clients for me. So that that's what that book was, and that was just really a. Um, I don't want to discourage anybody and say a painful. Pro- it was it was a it was a hard process, but I but it was a good process because it was necessary for me to get the right words um, in that book. Now, that being said, since then, you know, I've done radio for we've done a Rich Life show on radio for six years now, and there's been other books I've written that were it were completely. I outlined the books and I spoke the books, and then they were transcribed. Because I realize I deliver content naturally, probably best by speaking it. So, so then there, there's a couple of the smaller books that I did. I would just speak chapter one. Here we go, and we we talk through it and have somebody make it, um, you know, grammatically correct. And, and there's your book. Sure. Uh, so, so there's been there's been a couple of a couple of ways to do that. But one of the things I've, I've been writing more articles recently, yes. and what I've been trying to do there is be very intentional because. Uh, Early on, I would I would write to be published here. I'd be working on this book. I'd be working on something for the radio show. And I had all these projects going on. What I'm trying to do now is make sure that whatever I'm working on, I'm trying to be more in control of the content. Meaning if I'm working on a new book, which I am on retirement planning specifically, mm-hmm. that the articles I'm writing and the, and the radio show segments I'm prepping are actually content for that book. Right. So, So I'm using that I'm using that content for one purpose and and using it in multiple ways. Right. Well, that
1: makes perfect sense. And then you can keep your mind in that area. Right. Well, as we talked about a little bit about the fact that I've worked in bullying prevention, I'm just wondering if you have another story you can share with us about bullying where maybe mindfulness would have made a difference. Maybe it's a specific story. Maybe it's about an adult. Maybe it's about a kid. I don't do you have
0: something about that, Bo? You know, this is – going. I didn't have the- – my first story was the one on the playground. But when you just asked, Bruce, something came to mind, and, and I'm not – this is – it's going to be more of a scenario. And I think it's it's valid for us to talk since we're having this conversation about mindfulness and money. Yes. I have seen – and and this needs to be addressed, and, and sometimes this has been my role as a third party to address this. I have seen scenarios where in a family or in a couple – one spouse or the other, and believe, and it's been either or. It's mm-hmm. been the female, and it's been the male. It's been it's been either or, or whatever. Um, actually, bullies the finances um, to an extent that the other person is just expected to be a passive participant. To where, from everything I've ever seen, when it comes to success with money and, and family and all that, it needs to be co-created to where at the very least both people are aware and understand what's going on. Right. So that might be a, a mild form for me to say bullying, but I have seen people that that kind of dominate and dictate finances and tell people what they're going to do. And I think that's a dangerous combination, especially for a family.
1: Yes, for sure. And sometimes it's not very mild either, is it?
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And and what happens when, when you're in that scenario, because I've seen the backside of it too from my uh, perspective is that when something happens to that spouse and the other spouse had no idea what was going on, they were just kind of the passive participant, it gets very messy for the family. I'm sure it does. It would be very hard on a relationship. So that might be that might be one thing we bring up. If there's anything, if you're in a and sometimes it's not that, um it's not as nefarious as it might sound, somebody being very dominant and overbearing, is that sometimes somebody just really that's not their thing and I and I get that. Mm-hmm. Money's not my thing. And they just they just say you handle it. Sure. But it, but if there's a there's a there's a piece here maybe we share that is somewhat of an action item. Take the responsibility to at least know what the plan is and understand what's going on so that if something happened to to one of you that the family's not at risk.
1: Sure. Very important. Yes. Well, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is
0: one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? No, I have a mentor out, in, he's in Rochester, New York. His name's Steve DeNunzio, and he was the, the first person that actually taught me the correlation between spirituality and money. And that's where a lot of the mindfulness came together for me. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or those of your clients? I believe mindfulness has affected my emotions by uh, showing up, Focused on the client in a more empathetic, compassionate, caring way that better serves the client, and for some reason, that naturally tends to create trust. It gets a better result all the way around. Tell us how breathing is part of
1: your mindfulness practice,
0: Bo. Breathing's huge. I, I believe a lot of times my meditation is literally ten minutes of just deep breathing, and and it's calming down because I, I often I'll catch myself going through a really busy or sometimes a stressful day. And that breathing's really shallow, and that's where I see myself kind of just getting getting close to maybe getting off the off the game plan or off the rails a little bit. So I think breathing just kind of helps center us and reconnect us back to a calm place to to think and again be aware. Bo, you have some
1: terrific books you've written and we're going to put them in our show notes, but do you have any other books you'd recommend on the topic of mindfulness?
0: When we say mindfulness, one of the books that, that comes to mind for me Uh, Off the top of my head was years ago I got a hold of a book of Wayne Dyer's called, uh, I believe it's Getting in the Gap. Yes. And it was really, it it just taught, what what that book does, it's really, it it had a CD and it's a little book, but it really teaches you to get in that space of uh, pure quiet in between you, you're thinking of a couple things, but then you're just focusing on getting in that, that pure quiet space in between for longer and longer periods of time. And that, again, that was one of my introductions to starting to experiment, but just being still and, and trying to, to quiet, quiet my mind a little bit and connect a little deeper. Can you share an app, which helps you to be more mindful? You know, and I think an app I, I do, if you're familiar with, with Holosync, that's oh, yes. a, that's more of a program. I'll that, a lot of days, that's what I do. I slap on, when I have 30 minutes, I'll slap on 30 minutes, of holosync. hold a sink. Um, That's more of a, of a recording, obviously. Yes. But I seem to, that seems to really uh, get me in a um, pretty good, deep, uh, connected place when I, when I can sit back and really plug into that. Great to know.
1: What advice would you give a person who is new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life?
0: I think that the advice I would give is just to realize that that getting through the day, going through the motions, playing the role of a father, a mother, a student, a son, a daughter, an employee, an employer, a coworker, that's not all life is. And if we can step back and we can, we can actually connect, we can navigate all those roles and those situations better. And I think all of us, Bruce, have, have this innate desire of, uh, to have a more connecting, fulfilling experience. And I think that's why awareness uh, would be uh, an attractive place for somebody not exposed to it, to maybe be curious enough to, to start. Excellent.
1: Bo. it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show and to talk with you about mindfulness and money. And it goes way deeper than money. Of course, your wisdom about mindfulness, but tell mindful tribe, how can we learn more about what, what you do
0: and how can we connect with you? Well, absolutely. If you would like to check out the book we mentioned, uh, check out the radio show, just go to bohenderson.com. That's B E A U H E N D E R S O N Bohenderson.com. And that's kind of a that page is kind of a portal to be able to check out the different areas of the rich life world.
1: Great. Well, thank you again so much for being here. We really appreciate your knowledge on this topic and all the best to you, Bo. Hey, thanks so much, Bruce. I had a lot of fun. Great. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.